Y'all know I done moved to Atlanta and I work at Virgil's Galagichi Kitchen, which is a delicious gala cuisine restaurant, but also a place where a lot of the gays in Atlanta come to party, eat good, have a good time, and feel accepted. And I love that for us. Get in here, let's talk. Get in here, let's talk. Get in here, let's talk. Get in, get in, get in here, let's talk. Get in here, let's talk. It's time for the original BB podcast with your inimitable host, BB. And I do not have time to sit around here arguing with y'all. Keep in mind, it's not my plan, it's God's plan. So mind your business, because I had love you very much. Oh my gosh, I love me a Virgil's. I got a job at this restaurant where I am hosting and it's really unique to me because I am originally from Charleston, South Carolina, where the restaurant bases its cuisine, its slang, all down to the way they write in the menu. I found a place to work, child, where they write like how I talk. And so I'm excited. Um, my son definitely moved with me to Atlanta. Of course, I'm not going no place without my baby. Mm-hmm. And Jonah's joining us tonight, any Jonah? I sure am. He I, he is. And and, and, and and period. We love this place. I love Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, for me personally, I I needed Atlanta the way I needed my father to value me. And I said that because since moving into this city, one of the biggest things I've noticed is Atlanta does not do South Carolina's bless your heart energy. They are direct. I love it. In this city, I have found a freedom in moving and learning and meeting these people because of the way they are and you know, consequentially handle me. Um, back home, it's no secret. I don't hide my story. I got a betrayed a lot. I was misunderstood. I was doing things that people just were very upset that I was doing. And being that I come from a past of having self-esteem issues, the only thing I could think was, oh, well, y'all don't think I should be in the room because I'm not pretty and I'm not worthy. All these things that, you know, echo from my past and trauma and childhood traumas. But in reality, the people in Atlanta are nothing like the people in Charleston. They just aren't. And pretty much, you know, I just moved here. I've been here two months. So... The main place where I spend time is at work at this restaurant, Virgil's. And so Virgil's is where I really get to experience the AT aliens. And I know it's L, but I, I want to call y'all aliens. And because I want to be an alien too. But I don't know. Jordan, what do you like about the 404? That's the zip code. Hmm. I didn't know that. Um, Honestly, the main thing that I like is also that same directness in which like a person will just like tell you how there's an open there's a more open communication and i love that and it's less of an open communication like we sit down and we talk and we cry it's just like hey this is how i'm feeling period right (laughs) right and the reason why i needed that is because i just really didn't get that you are now listening to the original bb podcast 
with your co-host, Jonah. Bless your heart energy is this phenomenon in South Carolina where people have a habit of being very two-faced. They smile in your face and then talk behind your back. And I know that happens everywhere, but South Carolina is a different breed because South Carolina has this phrase called bless your heart. It sounds nice. It seems sweet. But when South Carolinians say bless your heart, what they mean is you're an idiot. Oh my gosh, God help you. But they say it with a smile. And when most South Carolinians say bless your heart, they immediately look at their friend with a they roll their eyes when they think the person isn't looking. They sigh. Or they bicker and murmur. Bless your heart, that stupid bitch. So I hate bless your heart energy. But I was born and raised in a state where that's what the people do. So it has made me very jaded, paranoid, uncomfortable around people because I tend to think everyone's out to get me. And when people say things like, Congratulations, B. I can't buy it. I don't buy it. I think they're just saying it because they're going about to turn around and talk crap. I'm done with bless your heart energy. I don't know what my life holds, but for the next little while, it definitely don't hold me living back in South Carolina. But if that bothers you, bless your heart. I must share a story with y'all. I am very excited about being in Atlanta because I am in a short period of time going to do a modeling session where I go get my headshots and my, you know, some pictures done to try to present myself as a working model at slash actor, hopefully to some clients for this agent. Well, the agent had literally called me so many times in the day that I finally took the call and I was at work and uh, I was able to finally um, take the call and figure out what he wanted. I figured out that he wanted me and it was very emotional for me. There's a bunch of reasons. I got childhood trauma surrounding being called ugly and all of that shit. So for someone to see me and think that I had a good look that they might be able to market to potential clients for jobs for me, you know, I know they, they get a cut and all that, but to see that it's just, it, it was good for me. But after I got off the phone with this modeling agent, I go to where all my coworkers are and I am so excited that I literally just started insulting them. I'm going to tell y'all, my son is going to cover his ears. But I literally walked into a room of all of my coworkers and said with my whole chest, it's fuck y'all, I'm a model, fuck y'all, I'm pretty, fuck what they said in Charleston, I'm pretty, I'm a model, and I'm about to get this work. And like, I just, it was disgusting. There's like four or five coworkers in the room at the time shooting the shit. We're slow at this time. That's why I was able to duck off and take this call in the first place. One of my coworkers, my very favorite coworker, walked straight up to me and said, 
Congratulations, B. But why is it fuck us? And like the honesty, the openness, like that's what you get in Atlanta. And I have been loving this. And in that very moment, because this coworker was so open and honest when they, they questioned me, I had to give that same energy right back. And I said directly to them, I did this for the same reason I was mean to our coworker when I thought I overheard her talking about me because I tend to believe that people are against me. I am very paranoid about people smiling in my face and trying to throw a dagger in my back later. I have shared my story with my coworkers about this so they understood immediately that it was that again, like this is my trauma and I'm working on it. And then I actually forget the best part of the story, Jonah. I did apologize to everybody right then. I was like, I am so sorry. It's not fuck y'all. It's thank y'all. I love y'all. And like, I, I did flip it around. I keep telling people the story, but I keep forgetting that I didn't just, you know, leave it like that. After my coworker checked me to my face in front of everybody, not only did it bring honesty out of me, but it brought honesty out of other, my, my other coworkers who started saying, girl, yes, we are here for you. We're rooting for you. We love you. All of that. And it's just beautiful. I needed that, y'all. I love constructive criticism. Jordan, what are you about to say? And that's something I love about Atlanta, too, is a, an event like that isn't you getting checked or anything. That's open communication. You Correct. didn't get checked. He communicated with you. Correct. <laughs> Openly and honestly and, 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 and without boundary, you know? And you're right, because basically I keep calling it checked, and he actually let me know that he didn't like that term. I went back to the coworker leader privately, and I was like, thank you so much for checking me a second ago. Like, I needed that. Like, I love to be checked. He was like, oh, baby, it's all love. And my coworker looked me dead in my face and said, I am a light-filled person the same way you're a light-filled person. And I understand that people who have light, that light comes from darkness. So when I see some of that little darkness coming out, I'm going to help you, you know, work through it. It's construction. It's because we are here to heal and grow. And I loved it. I have this community of coworkers at Virgil's Gala Kitchen who really give a dang about me i share my story with them and they share their stories with me and it all kind of stemmed from a nasty situation where i thought i overheard some co-workers talking about me so i blasted them out on a group chat and then we had to address it in front of the managers and turns out they denied that they said it and the managers were all staring me down and everybody staring me down so i apologize I chose to believe that they were telling me the truth and they did not say what I thought I heard them say or they said it, but it wasn't about me and whatever it was. And I tried to make up with the coworker. I got her a little present and I just let it go. I think we're good. Um, I've seen the coworker and work with them several times. So I'm pretty sure we're straight. But um, what I'm getting at is when we are open and honest and loving and compassionate and patient with each other, it only teaches everybody around us to keep doing the same things. And when we all do those things, we grow. And I think it's almost like a queer Black thing to, to attempt to fester a community that not just loves each other, that not just believes in each other, that actively works for the betterment of each other. Yes. Yes, and this is why I love Atlanta. 
These people are different than the people that I am used to. Being a South Carolinian born and raised in Charleston, the oldest city in America where the Galagichi, original Galagichis live and still operate and speak in our native tongue and blah, blah, blah. I have been around to see this, what I call, bless your heart energy. You are now listening to the original BB podcast. I'm your host, BB, a.k.a. Black Betty, a.k.a. Ebony Walker. Just mind your business. Now get in here, let's talk. Much as I love me and Virgil's, make no mistake, we gay up in there. Virgil's is gay as hell. And I love that for us. Virgil's has an event called Friends Friday where we push those tables back, child, and the queens in the city know to be here and don't be late. Don't be tardy for the party because we about to be dancing. We dance up. Lots of my co-workers are members of the LGBTQ community. So another reason why I really needed this Atlanta move and to be around all these people is because, you know, Virgil's ain't the only thing gay. Atlanta's gay. And that's probably another reason why we love it. What do you think, children? And I feel like Atlanta being gay in itself is such a perfect example of why representation is so important. Because the more gay people you meet, the more misconceptions about gay people, like as a person, you lose. And it's like, you never would have had those if there were gay people in your cartoons. Okay, you clearly needed to say that bad. Me and Jonah, you know, have a very long history of the gay cartoons that he liked to watch when he was a kid that I stopped him from watching. Jonah was watching a lot of gay shit <laughs> since he was little, and I just, I wasn't comfortable. Look, I don't make, you know, pull no punches about my experience with my son and, you know, I, my having my coming to terms with him being a whole LGBTQ person. I'm somewhere in there. He's like an elf, you know? He got the curl up toes, but we're not sure, you know? But <laughs> Are the ears pointy? You'll never know. We'll never know. Um, but I struggled. Um, I struggled with my son coming out. My son came out at 10. We have different, of course, understandings of the story. We've talked about it a million times. My baby feel like you were forcing me to say something, so I said something. And I, we ain't gonna get into it because yeah. y'all ain't getting on off of my child goodness. But the point of the matter not for is- free at the very least. Let's not for, I mean, it'll say it free. Oh, this is a subscription only child. They can't hit us without the 99. Say it. My story is more than 99 cents. Every mark. For the rest of their lives? Hopefully, if we keep making podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd be able to go out if we get more subscribers. But that's for later conversation. I'm going to tell y'all this story, and I'm going to tell y'all this real briefly, and then I'm going to let it go. I did a lot, and I have already shared this with you, so you're comfortable I can share this. I did a lot of crying when my baby came out to me at 10 years old. I cried and cried for like two years. 
I just question things. Uh, one moment I'm letting him have the rainbow flag in the room. The next moment, just take it down. I, I just, I, I just, I, I went through it, child. I, I went. Through, I don't know why you dragged me by my wig like that. You had to. I'm bisexual. Like nigga, calm down. You did ask though. But you know, we know that I asked because there were, you know, there was a reason. You there asked. was a reason, and then people, you know, my family was. Sin and it was just a whole lot of stuff. It had been for a long time. A big reason why I had issues with it is because my child was being bullied for being gay since before he knew what gay was by my family, by his own family. And so, you know, I struggled. But then the best, let's get to the punchline, the, the best part of the story. One day I just woke up and I literally like, Asked myself, heard myself asking myself, like, what the fuck are you crying for? <laughs> this is dumb. Your baby loved you, respected you, felt comfortable enough around you to have this very important conversation, vulnerable moment. You have a relationship with your child where, you know, he like, my baby is just so awesome. He's smart. He does well in school. He's kind. I'm teaching him good character. And that's when I finally came to the conclusion that at the end of the day, I cannot waste my waking hours and I can't be getting wrinkles caring about who you screw. All I care about is that you are a good person with character. And I came to that conclusion, but it was a long, tearful mix up emotional roller coaster journey and i know it was also for him uh for me to get there okay so to that said i needed atlanta the way i needed my father's attention because i needed atlanta so that i can be better to my son who identifies as queer you know and the thing about it is so crazy how black people are with with queerness and gayness and all of that because it's like I'm crying up like I caught you with a dick in your hand. Like <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? Like <laughs> Um and it's like the way black people will be like, okay, so I don't have a perfect understanding of your entire chart of identity now because you've identified it's something that I don't fully have. Explain now. Like, it's like I I will figure out my own identifiers as I want to. Right, that's my business. That's <laughs> my business, and my tab of the brown voice. Okay, and and I yes because the another another piece to that is shoot. Say that again. Um, black people will feel will feel that like they don't have part of your identity all known, so they demand answers. <laughs> Yes, what I was going to say about that was in that demand for answers, it's also a demonstration of the person's belief that something is wrong with you or wrong with this. And so being that I work at Virgil's and a lot of my coworkers are gay. We get to have those conversations after work and we're shooting the shit, having a quick drink together or in passing sometimes at work if we're slow. But we get to share our stories and really talk and grow and heal. You ought to live so 
God can use you any way, Lord, any time. I want to live so God can use me any way, Lord, any time. Healing is so important, isn't it? Especially when you have a whole room full, community full of people who have been marginalized. Um, Something that you said, Jonah, when we first got here that I thought was so awesome. My baby was like, I feel like all of the marginalized people decided that, you know, we're all going to go to Atlanta. Because Atlanta, you know, is filled with Black people, gay people. And just other and foreigners and you know you you know like just people who have been shoved to the margins of the community they're all here making it atlanta is a beautiful place because something that you just said earlier is it provides that opportunity to see people whose society has you know traditionally marginalized you know, in a whole new light because you start to see more and more of them and your stereotypes have got to fade away. And that's exactly what's happened to be working at Virgil's. It almost makes a safe space to see people as just people who are often demonized. And it's like, I love that the uh, city does that. One thing I hated in Charleston is being around people and like knowing if you had that one part of my identity, like if you knew how strong I was in my blackness or my queerness or any other part of my identity, you would see me as less of your friend, less of a person you know, and more of a stereotype that you have bought into. Or in a lot of cases, because I saw it happening even coming up, you may not want me anymore if you knew who I really was. You may not want to be my friend at all. You know, it's just a lot. Like, I recently decided to follow Jesus and I won't turn back. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm like, really, like, deep in this Jesus stuff right now. Like, that's just where I'm at. Like, it's the only thing that has worked for me to help me with healing, with, with coming to terms with a lot of the things that I grew up with and pain and trauma is I need, I need that good old time religion. It's good enough for me. And, and so in doing, uh, that it made me like re-question things that I already got over again, right? Like I've already come to terms with, all right, stop crying. Just be happy about your child character. And then I come across what, what a scripture is, Jonah? Oh Lord. Leviticus. Leviticus. What is it? What's, what's the numbers? A man shall not lie with a man, or we got stole him to death, something like that. A the man Bible shall, not say. Lay, shall not lay with a man. The way he lay a, with a woman, mm-hmm. as he lays with a woman. And so this word is written in the good book. And I love the good book. And another part of what helped me come to terms with how I felt about stuff is when I realized that Jesus' message was love, love, love. And so I was there. And then I come about across freaking Leviticus, and then I was just like, "Oh no!" And 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 when you said it first, I was like, "Like that was about pedophilia." Well, and that actually makes a lot of sense because when I took Greek mythology in college, 
pedestry is what they called it was a practice where the elites in greek mythology would i'm not greek mythology the greek society this really did happen what uh these eat myths child this is what happened the elites would take apprentices young boys ages 10 to 12 under their wings to teach them how to be a man how they taught them how to be a man is they believed that the boy would need to ingest the sperm of the older male it they i'm telling you and i'm telling you what my college professor taught us and what college professors were taught you it was not meant to be sexual bullshit you will never tell me that i don't care that's it it's sexual in nature it's sexual in nature because how on earth could he ingest your sperm so like it's it's all this is we're not debating this. <laughs> so we're not. And this was a common practice in Greek, um, in Greek societies in the, like, you know, 600s and stuff. You know, this was a common practice. And the sad thing is you got all these 10 year old boys, not even your apprentice till they're 14, 16. And then by the time they're 16, you expect him who has been giving you sloppy toppy for all these years to now turn around and go marry and be with a woman. And these men would, but I highly doubt that, you know, all those experiences with those men, their whole childhood had just ended there. And here's one thing that really, oh God, I think my phone just died. That really um, makes, like, that really makes you believe that Leviticus, I want to say 1822, but I'm not sure if that's the right numbers. Really is a mistranslation because if man shall not lay with boy as man lays with woman, that kind of sounds like it, um sloppy toppy would be a loophole to these type of to to these people <laughs> right right come on but um yeah the greeks were weird yeah the greeks were weird. like super weird. i mean one of the gods were zeus <laughs> yeah that like, says a lot I mean, Zo- Zo- and zeus was the son of a bitch you know do you know Greek how athena was born so short if zeus was just a course. <laughs> Zeus was a misogynistic, um, overbearing, um, dominant tyrant of a god. And <laughs> it's just the truth. Which you know, god was born from him sperming on this lady's leg? I, Athena. I was just about to tell you. <laughs> Athena. The that. goddess Athena was born out of the thigh of, oh, I can't remember Athena Mama. But basically, Athena's mother was a uh, human, and Zeus. Zeus has several stories of pretty much rape, and just just read about Zeus. Uh, some of some of Zeus' children were totally the result of rape. Zeus basically was chasing down this Earthling woman, and she was like, "I don't want you," and he wanted her anyway. So he he spermed on her thigh, and Athena was basically born in a woman's thigh. And of Imagine course, being that poor, poor woman. <laughs> seriously, like I know you didn't just get me pregnant in my leg, but and then, uh, and then the god of war just and the god of war and then as much walk out here with a damn shield and sword. I hate you. <laughs> like, I'll kill I you. hate it here. I hate this for me. Like, like... <laughs> but yeah. So oh gosh, so so many of those. And so, okay, so even like, let's take that Zeus and, you know, the male dominance. And you see how like our myths, our, you know, mythology, our lore of our culture permeates the entire culture and is perpetuated when we uphold these traditions and ideals that are just ass backwards. Like we love to protect the tradition. To protect the tradition, protect the tradition, but like 
We need to learn from the tradition. Take what's good and leave what's not. Correct. Yes. And I just love being in a city where I have the opportunity to have these conversations every day. Because being your parent, because having had all of these weird fallouts with friends of mine who were members of the LGBTQ community, because, you know, having been done very wrong by a friend who identifies as gay right before I moved here, there have just been many, many, many factors that play in my, you know, flip-flopping on how I have felt about homosexuality and gay men. Um, because at the end of the day, I'm working somewhere where I'm meeting the coolest, most loving, most kind, most caring, understanding people I have ever met, and they're gay. My neighbor is my very favorite. I just, my neighbor is, my neighbors, plural, are irreplaceable, amazing. As soon as I came in the city, they welcomed me with open arms, happy to see me, you know, took me and my son under their wing. My son came into the city with a child, a full set of purple nails. And, and you know, people didn't flinch here, whereas he was oh, yeah. side-eyed out of, the city when we were leaving Charleston. No, like actively. That boy side eye you out of the city, Joe. And it's like, I love you guys. I'm never expressing myself around you ever again. Ever again. I got ever. to go. I needed this. This is good for me. This is good for my boy. I'm having these conversations, but the conversations are leading to understanding. And understanding for me leads to healing. And healing means freedom. And another way this is also good for me is I'm becoming stronger in myself and my identity. And like all you do those it. years ago, once I was out, it was like, you, this is like, I'm just going to be who I am, period. Today, it's like, it's that. And I'm going to crank it up a notch. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I love that for you, baby. Like. I love being able to really, truly be friends with people without them wondering if I'm okay, if I'm really their friend. Because again, in Atlanta, we lead with honesty. We lead with honesty. So I'm needing to put your business out, but I, you know, talking to my coworkers and stuff, I have explained to them that my child identifies as queer. So no, like... Tell me how I sound because, and I have to, like, even my coworkers, like, I was talking to one of my coworkers the other day about it, and they were just saying how, you know, I just love you. You're so awesome, and your son's just so lucky, and how he's able to be himself around you. And I stopped them for a second. I said, Well, hold up, because I'm not going to let you believe a lie. I struggled with this for a little while. We're, we're just getting here. And I also wanted them to understand that being in Atlanta is a big part of what's getting me here. And I do, and I can I tell you, can I have an honesty moment, baby? Because mm -hmm. I've been going back to Charleston to clean houses. When I go back to Charleston, I do feel myself revert. Like, that's why I, I was back in Charleston uh, recently. And I was hanging out with my friends who are, you know, slightly homophobic, you know? And, like, I just, you know, the energy, when you're around in it, so it comes back the same way, you know, 
the Greeks started this pedestry, which led to, you know, basically pedophilia in the Vatican, because, you know, Greeks and Romans, they were handling all the Jesus stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's, you know, like, these things are perpetuated when we don't begin healing or getting an understanding, or when we find ourselves back in the same spaces where ugliness happens. So I go back to Charleston and I feel, you know, less sure again. And I feel, and so I just recently resolved that that means I don't need to be there. That's not where God wanted me. Um, and I feel like that's also part of the reason I didn't really want to go back like that. And like, right. I didn't know how to articulate that, but like, I hate feeling like I have to explain myself for anything, explain to you who I am, any facets of that. Period. And I love this place. Everything about my move to Atlanta, Georgia was divinely orchestrated. Everything about this move was perfect. We came to a neighborhood where we found an Airbnb. We stayed in the Airbnb for a week. During that week, we fell in love with the neighborhood. So we started cruising the neighborhood to try and find a place to live. We find a home right next door to a neighbor who is originally from Charleston, but has been here for over 10 years. Like it was all gone. And even the way that happened, because we we didn't find that house looking for it. We found it while trying to help someone. Remember the parcel fell out of the truck? Yes, we found a parcel fell out of an Amazon truck. And we were looking, trying to figure out how to fix this and get it to Amazon. We eventually did get it to Amazon because the person who was now my neighbor overheard us and came outside and was able to tell us where the Amazon hub was. At this point, we only been in Atlanta for a week. Yeah, it's just, I needed to come here because although I didn't ever, ever hold any hatred in my heart or harbor any ill will or, or pl- pray for the blood of Jesus on any of my gay friends, I did still have moments of doubt or uncertainty about whether it was okay to just allow my son to be who he is because i was raised by a family who would say and still say which is why we don't associate with them hell no once i was on the phone with one of my aunts and she was sharing with me a conversation she was having with another one of my aunties when my auntie told her about my little cousin who is also gay a male and my aunt who was sharing the story with me she telling me she was like "Uh, you know i heard you know your cousin they say is coming out as gay and i said oh you know i'm just kind of like processing it because i'm thinking like child you know something you know you, you know how it goes some of y'all like to come out like for who for you because we do like <laughs> like the closet was glass baby okay you baby you step out. like th- there was no door in that closet at all <laughs> and so but yeah but, but i'm telling you the story to tell you just to give you a kind of understanding of my family my aunt is telling me the story about her little nephew where my other aunt told her yeah he's coming out and the next thing out of her mouth was, Ugh, that's disgusting. Like, this is your family ever. Someone you, like, know and supposedly love. And honestly, to this family member is a child to you. You got this <laughs> man by, like, 30, 40 years. Like, 
why are you doing all that? Um, whatever, that's tremendous. But that kind of energy and thinking is what has influenced me for a very long time. And so now understanding that a lot of that was wrong, the new influence is, you know, the pain of the past still rearing its ugly head to to but i'm trying to figure out how to articulate this but i might just take that whole section out anyway Uh, i needed to be here and this is an unrelated point but a point nonetheless okay um unconditional love I, i feel like we forget what that means it means loving someone no matter what the moment you go i love you but you're gay. Like, we see this thing where when you say but, you have erased the rest of the... Yes, when you say but, you negate everything that before. I love you, but you're gay. You're gay. That's what you said. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and it is that way. Um, I lived in South Carolina where I was friends with a lot of gay people, but because we are in South Carolina, which is extremely more homophobic than at least Atlanta... Those gay people tend to be a little damaged, tend to be a little ashamed, tend to be a little angry, tend to be a little hurt. And when you're in an environment that seeks to keep you damaged, shamed, and angry, you stay damaged, shamed, and angry. Exactly. And because of that and due to that, I really just seemed like I couldn't win for losing with my gay friends. And... I got a very negative picture of what it means to even be gay because of the way people felt like they needed to go about it in a homophobic small town. People just, you know, the gay people, you know, of course they're still going to be there, even though, you know, largely we're a red state and people just don't want to hear that gay shit. The gay people are still there, but they're 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 hurting. They're they're unsure of themselves. They're 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 running around. They might be DL. They they're just doing it all gross. And so meanwhile, I'm getting a very, I want to say narrow view of gay guys and what it means to be gay and then i moved to the city where i meet all kinds of flavors of gay guys i actually rub elbows with them and work with them every day old young white black skinny fat big bulky low bulky low butter teddy no teddy trans people you know like and these people have been the most beautiful people i've ever met so it just really calls into question what we think of as right or wrong as it relates to god and gays uh one of my co-workers we were having an intense conversation and my co-worker said to me they were sharing their story but they made the statement about how it's so hard uh or i guess um hard one of the hard things about you know growing up as an lgbtq kid is you have 
if your full family is low homophobic and this person's family was like my family is um you get teased from a young age my son got teased from a young age for being different for being gay for being a power consistency a faggot all those fucking stupid things they say they tease you for that and then this is my co-workers words now but then once you grow up and you identify as those same things it's a problem <laughs> y'all called me gay and everything so i explored that for myself and i saw that oh okay this is what i am and so now i'm gonna call me gay and you'll like it now here's one thing that's in, that's similar but a little different to that is like i have grown and i identify as in the lgbtq community i have my labels figured but they aren't gay i'm not gay um but i can't give y'all not a label without y'all just congealing it all together correct <laughs> black men are not allowed to explore their sexuality have a fluid sexuality which we all do or even just be bisexual <laughs> a black man says he's bisexual and everybody call him gay this was explored famously on Issa Rae's HBO series Insecure, where the character Molly dated a guy who let her know that, hey, you know, I tried to be with a dude in the past. I didn't like it, and that was that. And Molly, that was her deal breaker. She could not get past that and continue to date this guy who was wonderful, who she was loving, this one thing. And she ultimately did not stay with him. So I loved how they explored that because I know plenty of women who would have done that exact same thing. Women hear, uh, bl black women at least, hear a man say bisexual and they hear you're gay. And if they're extremely homophobic, they think that's a fag. Mm, yeah. And so it's just, I understand how hard it is. And my biggest, I guess, flex in the gay community and why I think I have stayed so close to it for so many years is because I share a lot of the same, you know, situations with members of the community where I was berated for, you know, what adults thought about me since I was a young kid and I began to believe it. The difference was the word that, you know, the gays used was punk. The word they used on me was ugly. Now, let me flip that on you. This is also a large reason why I struggled so much with my son's identity as queer was because I re recognized that he had the same experience. The same way my family, you know, poured you're ugly, you're ugly into me from a young age. They poured you're gay, you're gay into him from a young age. My story is I began to believe that stuff and I did some ugly things in my life. Took a while to get on track and I didn't pursue my dreams and I, you know, kept myself and shined away and lost really nice opportunities. And Loki should have been like completely married with a husband and everything right now because so many men wanted it from me. But self-esteem did not allow me to you know, complete those relationships and see it all the way to the altar. Like, and all of this came from trauma of adults and family members telling me, showing me that I was not attractive, laughing at my body, just doing things, saying things, calling me names like endlessly all the time, you know, my family pointed out my flat butt and body so much that 
I now have a very self-deprecating and kind of icky habit of constantly pointing out this as a flaw and I'm working on expelling it. So because I believed I was ugly for so many years, I didn't pursue the things I wanted to do. I did ugly things. I did things that were really outside of my character, you know, and you know, because all of this was believing I was ugly. I read the Four Agreements by Miguel Ruiz, where he says, in like the first chapter, this is the part of the Four Agreements. If a little girl believes she is ugly, she will be ugly. She will become ugly. And because, you know, your life is what you make it, what you believe. So this is a big reason what I'm getting at is why I struggle with my son coming out. Because in my mind, like, oh, your story's my story. They, they told you you were gay since you were little and you believed it and now you believe it and now everything's messed up and, you know, but then, like I said, I needed Atlanta like I needed, like I needed a, a therapist, an hour on a couch with a therapist, child. Like, th this is something I needed from a spirit, from a soul, from a healing because being around a whole city full of every single kind of queer, LGBTQ person let you see that no i know you would like to think this but that's wishful thinking there are too many people who identify as this for it to just be some fluke for your son and then another thought that you know helped me just all right we're done with this is what i also remembered that when i was a kid getting teased and talked about it and all of that and the reason why i remember a lot of those stories so vaguely and why i understand everything that happened is because when I was 10 years old, I knew exactly who I was. So my son knew exactly who the hell he was at 10 too. Take us home, Jonah. Close it. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you just did, honestly. Did I? Did I not yeah, close that, that shit? That was a word. Did I just eat that up? Child. Because all I do is eat one thing about me. I like to eat. Clear <laughs> and I love it, y'all. Y'all, we love Atlanta. The 404 is where it's at. When you come to Atlanta, Virgil's got two locations, and we're working on a third. You can hit up our Conyers location, that's coming soon. Come to the Marietta Street location in Midtown, that's that's jumping all the time. Or go on over to College Park and go to our original first location. We have all kinds of stuff going on at Virgil's events catering drag show on sunday like we love it here and being here helps us thank you for joining me on another episode of the original bb podcast with me bb and if you enjoyed this episode head on over to my ig chow and follow me i am the original bb on ig ebony walker on facebook I am BBIG on TikTok and the original BB on Snapchat. I'll see you in these streets. Bye.